there, everybody, and welcome to the Coffee House Questions Podcast. This is Ryan Polly. You know, one thing that's really exciting is that this semester, I'm only taking one class at Biola, and that is allowing me to have more time for podcasting, for writing, and for speaking opportunities. And so one thing that I have been doing a lot more recently is working on some new talks. And I want to share one of those with you today. But before I do, I just want to let you know that I am—I uh, have some speaking opportunities coming up. I'm speaking at a youth group on the 3rd and 10th of March here in Southern California. I'm also speaking at Rock Harbor Fullerton Church on March 12th. is a Sunday morning, and if you are in the area, you can come uh, check that out. And then again, in April 27th at the Reasonable Faith Culver City Chapter, uh, that one will be Evolution versus Creation. Uh, March 12th at Rock Harbor Fullerton, I'll be speaking on Luke 10, 1 to 24, and uh, on that passage as we work through Luke at that church. So I just want to make you guys aware, if you didn't, that um, I do speaking opportunities. I have four coming up, and uh, if you would like me to come to your church youth group, that is definitely a possibility. You can just go to Facebook page, or you can go to the website and uh, look at the speaking and endorsements page and look at the different talks that are available. And check out that and then contact me at coffee at contact at coffeehousequestions.com. And again, if you uh, have any questions, uh, if you want to share your thoughts on anything that I talk about today or in any other show, you can do so uh, at the Facebook page, Coffee House Questions Facebook. And then you can also send in your text message questions at 714-989-6927. And so there's kind of a little update on some things coming up for me. So I have a lot of work that I do with students, obviously, as a high school teacher. And I did kind of some ministry as a missionary before and just work a lot with students through summit ministries and different things. And one question I've always kind of had in in my growing up and as well as working with students is kind of how to encourage students to kind of get to that next level of their relationship. And and one question I've had had so much in the past is why are Christian teenagers bored with their faith? Now, again, not all, but why are there so many Christian teenagers bored with their faith? Why is it that it's not taken as seriously maybe as we hope? And, and you know, as adults, as leaders, we, we want to see our students on fire for Christ. We want to see them going out there making a difference, making an impact, using their their talents and their skills uh, f- in the church and, and globally. And when we see that, it's amazing. And as a missionary, I saw so many young people come down to the Dominican Republic. They were doing short-term missions and vacation Bible school and construction projects. And it was so cool to see. But then I think a lot of times we also see a lot of people that are just kind of bored, that just go through the motions and and never reach that really kind of excited, on fire, deep relationship stage of their faith. And I've always kind of had this question, like, why? Why why are we not there? Why can't we get students to this place? The other side of the spectrum is the students who don't even believe in God, right? The the atheists, the skeptics, those that are are completely unsure and and how is it that we get them to that step where they have that deep committed relationship with Christ. And so as I was getting ready to speak um, at a school on this idea, I kept thinking over and over and over again, what, what example, what, what time in my life 
did I not feel the same way as someone who was trying to convince me of something? And a, and a memory came to my mind. My family and I, we, uh, we are, I have a very close family. I love them so much. Great Christian family. And so happy to have grown up um, in that family and just have close brothers and everything. And, and so because of that, we, we love going on family vacations. And I also have parents that are very, very encouraging. And it's awesome. And so a few years back, we were on a family vacation up in um, Grand Teton National Park and, and Yellowstone National Park. And we were sitting down at dinner one night. And my mom said something to me that she had said many, many, many times before throughout the entire course of my life. She said something to the effect of, you know, Ryan, there's this sweet girl that's out there and she's just waiting and one day you're going to find her and you're going to have this awesome marriage and things are going to go well. And and started to encourage me, as she had many times in the past, of this girl that was out there for me. And in the past, many times I responded, okay, mom, yep, I believe you. Yep, thank you, mom. Okay, all right, mom, thank you. But this time was a little bit different. This time when she got done, I responded in a way that I shouldn't have done. But I said, Mom, where is she? Where is she? Give me some evidence. Where Does this girl even exist? Where is this girl? You keep telling me about this amazing girl that I'm going to find one day. Where is she? Show her to me. Right? Just to keep telling me over and over and over and over again that this girl is out there is not helping because where is she? And as I thought about this, and afterwards, obviously, I had to apologize to my mom. Sorry, you know. But I, I, this is the memory that came to my mind when I thought of students. I think, you know, when we think about this, I, I came up with four different relationship levels. And in, in my talk I have on this, I have this nice PowerPoint that kind of breaks this all up and gives a good visual. But... Here's, here's what I kind of thought with this scenario. My mom was kind of at level four. Is I broke this up into four levels. My mom was level four where she is in this belief in my dad. She's in this deep, loving, committed relationship with my dad. They've been married for a long time. And she recognizes how amazing it is. However, I am at what I consider level one. Either I'm at the place where there's the non-existence, where I do not believe that this girl even exists, or I have this wishful hope or this blind faith, where I just have continued to believe what my parents have told me my whole life, hoping and wishing that she's out there, kind of having this blind faith, but without any evidence of her existence, I'm kind of stuck at this blind faith. I have faith that she's out there, but I've never seen her. I don't know who she is. Now, it makes sense coming from where my mom is because she loves me. She wants the best for me. She recognizes how amazing the deep, committed, loving relationship of step four is. And so she wants the same thing for me. And all she can do maybe at that point is continue to tell me about how amazing step four is to, to so that I have this kind of anticipation and that... I'm looking forward to this day when it finally happens. But if that's all we hear, 
if we spend our entire lives only hearing about how amazing step four is and we're still at step one where we have this wishful hope or this belief that this girl doesn't even exist, then after time, we might get tired of hearing that. After time, we might get bored with it. Because without having that relationship ourselves, there's only, I think, so much that we can actually hear. And so I said, you know, you kind of move to from step one comes step two, where you have a belief that the person exists. But again, just because you believe that someone exists does not mean that you have this relationship with them. There's a lot of people that I believe that they exist. I believe, you know, LeBron James or or Michael Jordan or, you know, these athletes or movie stars, I believe that they exist. I have very good evidence that they exist, but I am not in a relationship or I'm not friends with these people, right? And so just believing that someone exists does not mean that you are in a relationship or a friendship with them. The third step is going from belief that they exist to wanting to start to get to know the person. We have to start the relationship. We have to want to get to know them. Now, I think that this is where a lot of students and a lot of people, sometimes we have these preconceived ideas, right? We, we kind of judge the person ahead of time. Oh, I don't want to get to know them. They're weird or I'm not going to like them or we don't like the same things. And so we kind of create these excuses on why we don't want to get to know the person. And so then we kind of remain at step two or level two where we just have this belief that they exist, but we don't have a relationship. We don't have that friendship and we don't really know them. We think we might know them because we have these ideas about them, but we haven't started that relationship. Now, I think most people probably at some point in their life has had a relationship where they thought the person maybe was weird or they weren't going to get along. And then they started to get to know the person and they were surprised and went, oh, my goodness. Wow. We actually get along really well. There's other times where it's the opposite. Maybe you think, oh, wow, that person's so cool. We're going to get along so well. We're going to be best friends. And then you start to get to know them and you're like, yeah, this is not working out. And other times we're right in our judgments ahead of time. But we're never going to know if we are right until we start that relationship or until we start to get to know the person. And so we move from level two to level three. We decide finally that we want to get to know them. We start to get to know the person. Then as we get to know them and as that relationship grows, recognizing that we are better with the person, that they are better with us and this that sort of thing, then that moves us into this deep, loving, committed relationship. And again, it doesn't just stop once you hit that relationship, but this is something that then that relationship continues to grow, continues to deepen for the rest of your lives. And so I, I kind of realized this relationship spectrum. And, and, and so I started thinking, you know, if I were just to tell, a, if you were to tell your high schooler students, or if you are a high school student, if someone were to tell you about this amazing girl out there, this amazing guy that's going to sweep you off your feet, what would move you from level one in this either wishful hope, or I hope that person's out there, or I, I don't believe that they really are, to a level two, that you believe that they exist. And most high schoolers, you know, show me their Instagram, right? Show me, me introduce me to them, right? You, you have to actually show that this person exists before they can even start to uh, start a relationship with them. Now, once you introduce them, then that's where they start to make those initial judgments, right? Do I want to get to know them? Do I not? Now that I know that they exist, do I want to start this relationship? And you have to kind of jump over those hurdles, 
kind of convince them for or or show give them good reasons why they should want to know this person and then they can start that relationship move from level two to three and then deepen it and move on to level four and so i think those are kind of the steps and so you know i i asked the students you know what would it take for you to move from level one to level two you know kind of that instagram type stuff okay what about level two to level three what would convince you to want to get to know the person show that you have you know similar um, hobbies or 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 that sort of thing and we kind of worked through this thing what would move you along the steps and then i asked the students what point are you at with god are you at a level one where you believe that God does not exist, or you have believed what maybe your parents or your school or your teachers or your pastor has told you your whole life, where you have this blind faith, where you really hope that God exists. Maybe you, you've had these feelings and you really are emotional about it, but you've never been given kind of that evidence to move on to step two, where you truly believe that he exists, where you are convinced of his existence. Or maybe we're at level two, where we believe that God exists but we don't want to start the relationship, right? Because we think, oh, God, you know, God can't be good because there's evil. Or, or if, I, if I trust in him, if I start that relationship, then I'm going to have to change my lifestyle, right? I, I don't want to have to do the Christian thing. I want to continue doing what I want to do. And so that's where we kind of have this emotional rejection of God, the volitional rejection. Now, it's not an intellectual thing at that point if we're believing that he exists, Right. And so a lot of times you hear I hear from students, oh, I'm OK, fine. I, I'm convinced that God exists or that Christianity might be true. But but I have these problems with God or he hasn't answered my prayer or he hasn't done these things. Therefore, he's not must not be a good God. And so we're thinking of ways of what are reasons or what are ways or, or, or ideas that we can give to give good reasons why this person should want to get to know God. Why should they want to start that relationship? Right? We can't just say, well, your life is going to be better because that's not necessarily true. Right? You look at the apostles, look at the early Christians. Jesus said, you know, Scripture says we're going to suffer for our faith. And so it's not that I'm going to become rich. I'm not going to become wealthy. I'm not going to have this amazing, awesome lifestyle. In some ways, absolutely. But we can't promise this kind of power, wealth, and prosperity gospel. And so what are other reasons and ways that we can give to show the person, hey, you want to start this relationship. This is in your benefit. And then helping them move on to level four, where then hopefully that turns into that deep, committed relationship. And so I asked the students to to identify where are you at on this line? It's okay if you're at level one. Right? I think that there are a lot of Christian people at level one that maybe think that they're at level three or four, but then when we realize we really don't know God like we do. And you can go to most high schoolers, you can go to most Christians, and, and you start to dig deep and you realize it's a very surface level relationship. And here's where I think about uh, my grandparents. And if you're listening, uh, you guys are awesome. Love you guys. <laughs> but I remember talking to my grandpa once, and uh, I didn't tell him I was going to share this, so hopefully it's okay. Um, and I remember talking to my grandpa once, and, and you know, I, re- I asked him, you know, about, you know, how he eats and everything. He said, oh, grandma makes the food. And and I said, do you ever tell grandma what you want? And she goes, no, she knows what I want. And he even said, you know, and she even puts the right amount of food on the plate. He goes, I never have to go back for seconds and I never leave anything on the plate. She even knows the right amount of food. 
And this is something, it's like, that is information at a deeper knowledge than this surface level, right? If you, if I asked my grandparents, you know, grandpa, tell me about grandma. And she just gave me, you know, her height and uh, how long her hair was. And I said, well, no, no, grandpa, tell me about grandma. Well, uh, she's your grandma. And if that's all he could give me, we go, wow, that's, that's not this deep, loving, committed relationship. But instead, what we see is this, is this deep, loving, committed relationship. They've continued to grow deeper. And after many, many years of marriage, even know the amount of food that he's going to eat. And that's when we say, wow, that is that deep relationship that I think that a lot of us desire. And so I think this kind of starts off and, and helps someone see where they're at. Where are you at on this spectrum from one to four? Is it possible you're at a different place and maybe you think that you're in this deep, loving, committed relationship because you've been a Christian for 15 or 20 years. But when you think about it, it's like, wow, I don't really know that much about God. In fact, I don't even know, you know, if he exists or maybe I, I don't even. And we start to have these questions and those questions aren't bad. But it's good to recognize where we're at because it's only when we recognize where we're at, then we can move along the spectrum. And so as a teacher, as, as, a, as a pastor, hopefully this is good to understand where our students are at. Because, hey, if they're at a number, if they're at level one, we can talk about a four all day long. And, and it's easy, right? Because for those of us that are strong, committed Christians and have this relationship with God, we want to just share how amazing this relationship with God is, just like my mom did. She was not doing that because she had wanted to make me upset or anything. She was doing it because she loved me. She wanted the same for me. But it's just hard to understand when you're at a level one. It's hard to understand that for. And so I think when this kind of went through my mind with my students of I can talk about how amazing this relationship is. And for and for some students, they, they, th- they hear that and that excites them. But for others, they keep hearing that and it just builds this wishful hope that can't stand for that long. And instead, if we can figure out a way to move them along the line, so we go from step one to two, do they believe that God exists? And then we give them reasons. Hey, here's why you should care about God. And you move from two to three. And then as they get that relationship, we help them disciple them and grow in their relationship with God to move them to that deep, loving, committed relationship. Because when we understand that, I think that's where that excitement comes from, right? And I want you to, you can think about anything. You can think about sports. For baseball, I love watching baseball because I played it. I was a pitcher and I, when I watch baseball, I watch how the pitcher throws the ball. And when I see it move in certain ways, I'm just amazed. Oh my goodness. That is so cool. Look, did you just see how he did that? Right. And then, but someone else that doesn't care about baseball is going to look at it and say, well, he, he threw a ball at a guy. Right. Same thing is true with artists, right? You can look at a painting and someone who has this deep love for art they look at a painting and they see brush strokes and they see the texture and they see these things that just excites them and moves them. And I look at it and it's like, oh, it's a building. It's a man, right? And so I think we have this understanding, right? When, when you have this deep knowledge of something, then that generally causes 
this excitement and this love for participating in it or for watching it or for whatever it is. And I think the same is very true for Christianity. I think that high school students are bored because they have an extreme surface level knowledge of Christianity. When I talk to students, this is what they tell me. They say, we just hear the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. God loves you. God loves you. God has a plan for you. God is powerful. God is loving. God is peaceful. You know, and they said, we just hear the same thing over and over and over again. And they're bored with it. In the same way, if you just tell the same facts over and over and over again, it gets boring. But I look at that and I think, oh my goodness, why is it with the vast amount of knowledge that we have in Christianity that we just keep giving students the same thing over and over and over again? Do we think that they can't handle something deeper? Right? If you can, if God is an infinite being, where we can continue to learn more and more about him and never even scratch the surface, then why are we sticking with the same five things or whatever with students? If people can get their PhD in theology and even different aspects of theology and study it for years and years and years and lifetimes, why is it that students think that after 10 years of being a Christian in youth group that they have a full knowledge? And I don't think it's an ego. I don't think it's, oh, I know everything, I'm good. But I really think it's that we as maybe teachers, as pastors, we only give them the surface level information. We repeat the same stuff over and over and over again. And so my thing is, man, if, if we keep saying the same thing over and over, God is powerful, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, and that's all we give students, well, no wonder they're bored. No wonder they're tired of listening did people talk about God? Now, this kind of hits me hard, too, because I'm a Bible teacher. And I, it's my job to talk about God every day. And so this is why I'm trying to think of new ways to approach this topic. And so what I want to do is I want to dig that relationship deep. Because when students realize the vast amount of knowledge and information then that is what breeds and, and, and causes this deep, loving, committed relation, relationship that is exciting. And one thing I think for me that did that is when I started seeing the evidence for God's existence. Right When, when I started studying apologetics and theology and saw the arguments for God's existence and saw how God was at work in everything, that's what brought excitement in me. Right, I... At times, a lot of times, I was kind of that bored high school Christian student. I'd grown up in it my entire life. I'd always been told the same thing. And it was like, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. But it wasn't until just the last few years when I started studying apologetics and really getting into this, when I saw the arguments right for God's existence, but not just that, but I saw how God was at work in everything. When it comes to the beginning of the universe, the fine-tuning of the universe, in the cell all the way to the big vastness of our galaxy, the constant laws of nature, the consistent laws of nature, the, the gravity in these things, the laws of logic, mathematics, reason, the information in the cell and in DNA, the life that is created, even mind and consciousness, the fact that we are conscious beings that can think and that we have the freedom to choose. 
with the objective moral standard, beauty, the life, resurrection of Jesus, prophecies, all these evidences for God's existence, to me, I go, oh my goodness, this is so exciting. This is amazing. When I see how God is at work in everything, that's what's exciting. So kind of to finish up, I want to share the last part of my talk. And what I did after showing these students this relationship spectrum, talking about deepening one's understanding of God, and that's what brings this excitement, understanding how God is involved in every area of their life. I threw up a bunch of words on the screen, words that I took from the arguments for God's existence. Words like math, consciousness, morality, purpose, love, cause and effect, reason, information, good, bad, right, wrong, design, science, trust, free will, logic, the mind. Then I asked them to think of their favorite activity. What is the thing that you love doing most? And how many of these words, which of these words go along with your favorite activity? I had students that said, um, sports, uh, playing soccer. I said, okay, which of these are involved in soccer? And they said, well, cause and effect. Um, purpose, there's a goal. There's, there's an end purpose for playing the game. Uh, you need trust, right? You have to trust your teammates. Um, there is um, consciousness. You have to be aware of your surroundings. Intelligence, you have to know how to do certain things and kick a ball, right? You can look at video games. I had students say video games. That has cause and effect. You push the button, the player has to do something. Um, information. Someone designed the game. There is good and bad, right? There's morality. There's right and wrong. There's good decisions that are going to help you and decisions that will hurt you. I even had students say eating. And I said, which words, which of these words have to do with eating? And they said, well, free will. You have to choose to eat. Um, there has to be trust. You have to trust the person that made your food. Uh, there's science, right? There's a chemistry of how you cook and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and then love, you love the food. I had another student say sleeping. And I said, okay, what, what, uh, which of these words do with sleeping? They said beauty, right? You get your beauty sleep. Cause and effect. Uh, you do things that causes you to be tired. So then you sleep and then, you know, the effect is you wake up refreshed. Um, and so they, you know, free will even, you know, good, bad. You make a good decision to go to bed. It's bad decision to stay up. And so I think these students, even in sleeping and eating, they were able to find how these words went into it. And then the way that I finished is I showed that these things would not exist if God didn't exist. We have this idea of cause and effect, but with every cause, there's a previous cause and a previous cause. But if this goes back all the way to infinity, then we would not exist today. We can't have an infinite regress of previous causes. There has to be the first cause. And that first cause is the beginning of our universe. And so which one makes more sense? That no one created something out of nothing or that someone created something out of nothing? The question of why is there something rather than nothing? What best explains the first cause that now allows for every other cause to take place? The second thing is reason. Why do we, we, we need reason to do almost everything? But where do we get this idea that thinking is possible? Where did the laws of logic come from that govern our reasoning abilities? Are they just created by the human mind? 
therefore they're not this objective thing? Or are the laws of logic something that we have discovered that we have to follow? And if we've discovered them, then where do they come from? We see things like information and intelligence that go along with reason. We see information not only in video games and these things, but in the cell of a human body, in the DNA, in the vast amount of information in every cell of the human body. And that information points to an information giver. Design points to a designer. We have morality, this idea of rights that I've talked about on this show. Where do we get this idea that where do rights come from? Why is there this objective good and bad? We appeal that to, to things being actually wrong. Well, what is the standard for right and wrong? Even evil. The only reason evil can exist is because good exists. This idea between good and evil. And then in the, in the last place, science. All of these things. Science relies on all of these things. And so what I showed the students is that every one of these things that build the foundation for our lives, for sports, for sleeping, for eating, for video games, whatever it is, that these things would not exist if God doesn't exist. And so it's not just, oh, well, I don't believe in God, or God is only in that church thing or that religious area. It's not like that. God is actively involved in every single area of your life. And I think that is good reason to believe in him. That is good reason, or at least that is good reason to want to get to know him. To move from that level two, we move from level one to two with the evidence for God's existence, believe that he exists, and then we show how God is actively involved in every single area of their life. And that moves them to level three where they start that relationship. So this is my talk called Everyone Has to Start Somewhere. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope that you have an awesome rest of your day, a great weekend. And again, if you want me to come talk to your church, your youth group, go visit my website, coffeehousequestions.com. Go to the speaking and and endorsements page. You can look at the list of talks and contact me at contact at coffeehousequestions.com. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless. This has been Ryan Pollock. Don't hesitate to follow